Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago and join me here is Glenn Fitzgerald. Hello. The president of Mission USA. Hello. You done? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Don't make sure there are no hellos left. Yeah. Okay. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Hello. Oh, oh, wait. I thought... <laughs> was that was that your turn there? A little bit. We've okay. done a, a hundred something episodes. I think Jed has proved his ability to say hello for himself. Right. Sure. No. I, that was my bad on that. That's my bad. Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Why hello, and I am here, alive, unkilled, and on the podcast. Well, you bring up an interesting point. Here's the thing: we, we if you listened last week, and why wouldn't you have? Um, if you listen last week, we talked a lot about Lee has a, had a concert upcoming the week that podcast was released, a CD release show for his new album, Free. Woot. You can find more information about that at leeunger.com. Woot. Wow. Really, holy people always aspirate Get the, the H. H on yeah, that. that's good. Woot. <laughs> so we talked about that, and, you know, we wanted a, a good, solid turnout because, you know, we wanted, wanted Lee to have a fun time at the concert. We wanted... Uh, a lot of folks would be blessed by it. Uh, it was like money that you paid for the ticket. You were going to a lot of, of stuff in return. That was also going to go to uh, uh, funding some Lee Younger Bridge Box, some swag later on down the line. So you're really paying it forward there. And uh, we were thinking about strategies. We thought about um, uh, promising celebrities would be invited to attend. Right. Oh, we invited them. Sure, yeah, they were invited. We were, we were legally in the clear on that. Right. We also... Uh, Glenn had a thought about there was a, a, pa, a, a televangelist in the 80s when televangelist was a thing called Oral Roberts. That was his real name. That was not a joke name. People made up to mock him. <laughs> and uh, he, he decided on. to uh, put a big... If you're going to Google Oral Roberts, be careful. That's all right. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, he put a big campaign where <laughs> that, he didn't... Uh, that's... Uh if you have, uh, if you want to write in any comments, that's direct those to Matt King. <laughs> yeah, I get all, the, I get all the comments anyway. <laughs> hey, I'm just looking out for the people. Right, sure. sure I don't no. want, I don't want anything weird showing up on your Google history when I someone understand. goes to look at that. Yeah. All right, so he 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 pioneered an idea of claiming that God was going to quote call him home translation kill him if he didn't raise a certain amount of money. Now, if you're a Christian person, why being called home is a bad thing? We never knew. The fun pre- post to that, which you never mentioned, is they didn't raise the right amount of money. And oddly enough, Brother Roberts had a secondary vision that yeah. we now had a new goal. Yeah. That was a little bit lower. Yeah. yeah. Funny how that worked out. That was the stretch goal on his Kickstarter. Absolutely. But Glenn, <laughs> one of the things Glenn thought is maybe we could um, engage that and uh, maybe promise float the idea of threaten it kind of vacillated between all three of those that uh if if this concert was not well attended lee was going to get taken out right yeah. right now well, lee, you're still here well that's that's yeah. the, that's the that's not the not the issue because that makes it sound like i don't want lee to be here which i very much do the weird thing is what are you trying to say matt yeah matt yeah matt we love lee why do you have to hate lee yeah matt if there's anything the fact that i as i pointed out Drove 500 miles to teach to help him put on this concert proves is I'm really not a fan of Lee. Yeah, I have a pattern of trying to hold him down and keep him back. What's your game? Your secret's <laughs> out now, King. Yeah. So, well, the thing is, as we've talked about, and I don't want to spin out a really weird, unhinged rant from Glenn on this, but we record these podcasts ahead of time. What? In the past. Yes. Wait, so we're actually wait, recording. Wait, what? We're actually recording this one on the same night we recorded the last one. I see. Right. So, as you're hearing it, this concert has already happened, and I'm sure it was a smashing success. Uh, well, how they, Given that Lee is still alive. Totally. Pod, but he isn't actually podcast, still alive, because in real time, the concert has not happened yet. Well, because the podcast hasn't reached 88 miles per hour. Right. I don't care if you're comparing my podcast to a DeLorean. Let me tell you what. That says right. something weird about my involvement with organized crime in Ireland. Let me tell you uh, what. Some Schrodinger's cat situation just reared its ugly head. podcast is both alive and dead. That's what's happening right now. Okay. We just, we, by the way, we just went from a Back to the Future reference to a Schrodinger's cat reference at a breakneck pace. Uh, there's a lot of confusing things happening right now because <laughs> in my mind, we're recording this now. 
Yes, we were recording this on Sunday, March the 2nd, the but, same day we recorded the last episode. And the episode. concert hasn't happened when we're recording it. No, the concert happens on Saturday, March the 8th, and this episode will be released on Wednesday, March the 12th. This, But Lee's alive now. Yes, as far as March we know. Right. I mean, how do we know? Assuming he's right. not an apparition coming through the Skype. Right. The, he, he, it's been known to happen. Right. Okay. So Skype is notorious for their ghost problems. Okay. <laughs> they got all kind of a bugs in there, you know, those sure. kind of viruses and whatever. So uh how do we know that he'll be alive, see, when it when the podcast comes out? Well, here here's the thing is that and 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 slow me down if I if this gets confusing. Right, because but, right now as far as I'm concerned you're a voice from the grave. So I'm right. just I'm just going to put that you know, just give you know. No, so, no. so come in on that wavelength. Too. Okay, okay. Well, here's here's what I have to say about that is that people assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect, but oh. actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. Right. Neither Glenn nor Jed have any idea what you're talking about, but I and a good chunk of our audience are very happy right now. Some people that listen to this after show years just of badgering, lost their minds. I finally got Lee onto the Doctor Who, and he finally got to blink. And uh, I don't care for your nerd judgment, either of you. Uh, I don't even know. I'm too cool to even know what's happening. But what's... <laughs> you know, on this podcast, it's Once like... Once more than four people have heard about it, Glenn considers it uncool. I, I'm like this a little island... Of coolness in a sea of nerdiness on Are this you? podcast. The man who, well, man who, one of his main hobbies is regripping golf clubs. Super. Let me cool. tell you what, that's cool and manly. Yeah, all the all the cool guys play golf. Let me I tell say you, what, someone who plays golf. I you put on I, your plaid shorts. When and I your hat. when I regrip them golf clubs, the testosterone is surging. Okay, <laughs> absolutely. Deal with that podcast. But here's what I'm saying is. Deal with that was a secondary title to this podcast when we launched it. <laughs> I think what's happening is uh, Lee is probably uh, going to, you know, sell out the concert. Right. Heidi Klum may or may not have been there. Sure. And, uh, you know, it, it's all probably going to work out okay, but the, that's what I'm trying to say is what if not? Well, well is, what is I'm it, saying is I think – we this gives us an opportunity to take advantage of some of the strengths of podcasting as a medium. Right. Now, if we were on the radio, secondary to the fact that we would almost immediately be kicked off Christian radio. Yeah. Right. Um, we would do, we would be constrained by time. Right. We could the show can only be so long. You have to right. do it on these days. It goes out. So we can do a couple of our best guesses at what happened to this concert, oh. and then. Because it's a time-delayed medium, we can just edit out the ones that were wrong. Oh, so nice. We can come off. It'll be seamless. Like right. we didn't spend six minutes discussing how we were going to do it. Right. And then we'll just say, hey, it, it, it is March the 12th when you're listening to this. Right. And here's the thing that happened at Lee's concert. Accurate. Okay. Then we can move on with the show. Okay. Well, but if, if what, what happened, here's my question, though. If... Not enough people show up to the concert, and you guys decide that I have to be killed. Right. Then, when I'm in the middle of giving advice on these these upcoming questions, will my advice sort of fade like Marty McFly's picture in Back to the Future? That's just basic science. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, we'll just put some some harp music behind you. I think. <laughs> yeah. A nice soft filter. Sparkly pad. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Take one. I think uh, it was a shame the way that concert was uh, brutally cut short by the ceiling beams coming crashing down and killing everyone inside. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the main thing to remember is up till then, the music was great. <laughs> that's so, really, it's really looking on the positive there. So that, that's, see, then if that happened, you can just leave that in. Right. Tossed in there. Well, Matt, I don't, you're I don't know if, Matt, I don't know if I'm the only one right now, but the, the, the line that keeps running through my head is Dana Carvey doing Gerald Ford dead today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a reference from the early 90s about a president from the late 70s. 
<laughs> the fact that the average, the average demographic is 20 year olds never ceases to amaze me. That's a great sketch, though, dude. It's fantastic. It I just, I think we're educating you. <laughs> I think today's kids don't know enough about Dana Carvey, and that saddens me. Take two. I also feel we've gotten off topic. <laughs> Lynn? Take two. I think the uh, electrical hazards that we all knew were there but decided to ignore uh, just did what we all expected it would do. And the concert, of course, erupted in a giant ball of flame. Okay. But it was well attended and enjoyed by everyone. Up to that point. Up until that point. Sure. There's no uh, down after that it. point, they really didn't experience consciousness at all. <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were atomized. Sure. Well, in I the feel, explosion. I think this is good. I feel maybe we're all, we're sticking in a in a similar vein. Maybe we're to branch out. We seem right. to stick on ending in tragedy. Okay. All right. why, why don't we do a take where something positive happened? Right. Take three. Uh, the the concert was uh, well uh, received and accepted by everyone. Uh, uh, and I think uh, what we want to do is just celebrate a fun night of fellowship. And uh, and that would be the main focus. The the fact that uh, patient zero who spread the virus that eventually kills everyone in the world was there, and it all began there, is not the thing that we should focus on. Sure, it's a separate issue. That's a separate issue. Um, and I think uh, you know the the zombie apocalypse that's resulting is neither here nor there. Okay. Sure. Okay. Seems good. Okay. So in that scenario, so keep it positive. That's right. what, uh, you Lee's know. concert is the outbreak of a zombie apocalypse. Right. A, a but, World War Lee, if you will. It, yeah, World War Lee. But uh, uh, <laughs> but it's you know don't, let's let's not let's not focus on that. Okay. Sure. Because it's an it was you know what it's a positive, a music, and encouragement and uplifting, and afterwards yes zombies. But you know. In the moment, let's, you know what I mean? Why do you have to bring us all down, Why Matt? Do you have to bring us a very, down, a very deep look into the psychology of Glenn, where even in his attempt to paint a positive scenario, it must be balanced out with horrifying carnage. Yeah, that's just how my mind works. Sure. <laughs> Jed, would you care to bring us into the realm of the positive and give us a, a positive take here? Absolutely. Absolutely. I uh, Take four. Concert was a huge success. Right. All of the invited to appear celebrities did, in fact, appear. Yeah. Resulting, of course, in an arm wrestling match between Lee Younger and Queen Elizabeth. Sure. <laughs> and uh, let me tell I, you I what. I bet the wrong side on that one. Hey, you know what? <laughs> she is Queen, sprightly. Let me tell you a story. Queen Elizabeth is monkey strong. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, no. I mean, she peeled her sleeve up to her shoulder and just took Jed down. Dude, took Betty Jed is down. tough. Yeah, that's a, you know. No, when, he, he, I, apparently he beat, she beat Lee so hard that you felt it. Yeah, you stepped up and. Okay. She, I mean, she, she is, she, that's what she said. She looked you in the eye and said, I am monkey strong. And okay. they just took you straight down. Okay. Can Don't you, mess with Lizzie in arm wrestling. That's all I'm saying. All right. Well, I think, I think Glenn's chances of being knighted have just taken a pretty serious shot. It's I a mean, good thing you already, it's a good thing you've already taken your, your live stream trip to the UK. Cause I have a feeling after this episode goes out, you may get on some kind of list. Let me tell you what uh she she had them yorkies backing her up too man that's how she does. i just picture glenn taking another trip and getting to heathrow and getting pulled out of line and just right some guy in a big hat some sort of rendition, we, you know appears you refer to her majesty as monkey strong but the only outcome of that interrogation would be a wrestling match you know an arm wrestling match between glenn and lizzie that's the only way that goes down. Okay, now let me just say this right now because there's a lot of confusion happening. Okay. Uh, if the authorities seize me the next time I happen to be in the wonderful uh, country of England, I will explain to them this is a compliment. Sure. Right? And also, are you by you harassing me, are you trying to imply that Queen Elizabeth is isn't monkey strong yeah because i think you're the one putting an insult out there yeah because hey you know what she's you know what i mean diamond jubilee and all see us around she's yeah. been hanging around you sure. know what i mean she's she's a tough gal well it's ageism is what it is it's you're ageism she's you know a dignified elderly gal so right. she must be weak is that what you're yeah. saying is that what you're saying 
Surely I, it can't I mean, be. That would be an insult. That's an insult. I'm trying to, to, you know, I'm trying to give a compliment here. That's exactly right. Maybe you have to check yourself. <laughs> Examine. You're saying, you, you you're know. saying that the, the interrogation would be seditious because right. you're just trying to say what's true about, right. about Queen Betty. I understand. I'm going to be putting the whole system on trial. Yeah. That's how I do. That's I good. flip it over on them. See that's what I'm good. saying? That's good. I'm try- that's, how, that's how I would handle that. Okay. That seems good. Seems reasonable. I think that's right. So, so if that happens, we've got that take. So, sure. Uh, I feel like we've gotten uh, sidetracked, but I do like the idea of Monkey Strong officially becoming part of the title of the Monarch of England. <laughs> yes. Or Majesty Elizabeth II, by the grace of God, Queen of the United Kingdom, Great Britain, Northern Ireland, Defender of the Faith, Monkey Strong. That's yeah. correct. <laughs> Her Majesty. I feel like there's got to be some herald. Yeah, yeah. Her Majesty, we- Queen Elizabeth. Can we, take a, can we take an aside on this emergency and point out to all the single ladies listening to this show that Matt King, from memory, just recalled Hello. the title for the for the uh, UK monarch Hello. off the top of his head. Let me tell all you what. I think you guys have been married a little too long to, uh, you may have forgotten what actually is attractive. I mean, I'm not sure how that's a positive. May I tell you what. He's we, got room in his brain for so much useless crap. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you what, I know single ladies in England, hello ladies, that I talk to that are huge Say That fans, and you know what, right now, oh yeah, when they heard Matt King throw down to show how much of an Anglophile he can be. Oh, he files that Anglo. Oh, baby. Lawson Award. <laughs> Lawson Award. And, that, and that's when, that's how Matt King got married, right there. Take six. <laughs> All right. I'm not sure we ever declared emergency on this, but clearly an emergency has transpired. Did we declare an emergency? I don't know, but it's time to declare I, we it have to, Wait, first of all, emergency. Okay. We've been dealing with an emergency for quite some time here. Yes, yes, we have. Okay, and then emergency off. All right. Wow. That was wow. That was a, that was a little disturbing in every different direction. <laughs> uh, sometimes we go to a dark place here on Say That. All right. The thing to remember, as we point out, we do record these episodes. We record two every other week for scheduling purposes. So the second one gets a little loose in places. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it leaves been up for about 18 hours, and those of us here in Chicago haven't been doing a lot better. So, uh, you know, you get what you get. All right, so uh, probably time to talk about Bridgebox. There you go. Just talk about something else. Now that we've horrified you. I find that the segue I use most to get into Bridgebox is just trying desperately not to talk about the thing we were just talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Not sure if that's helping the business model. But uh, so Bridgebox, lots of good stuff for your walk. We create it all in-house, especially for you. You get several different genres of music every week month from both from Jed and Lee and some other folks around here, Pete and Tasha, some other artists from around the country help us out on that. You get pe- preaching from both Glenn and myself, a devotional co-written by Glenn and Jed. You get uh, some Bible studies, some videos, and you also get a letter every month telling you what your money has gone to do. Uh, in past months, it's gone to uh, get folks uh, transportation to job interviews, to get kids school supplies, to get folks clothing, housing, all sorts of stuff that we're able to do here in Chicago only because folks like you out there support Bridgebox. It's only $8 a month. We can pretty much guarantee you there's nowhere else on earth where people are getting that much ministry done for $8 a month. So you want to sign up, that's missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. And we're doing this in February, and we have a few left over. So if you want to sign up and would like a exclusive Say That Beanie, just uh, email me, Matt, at MissionUSA.com, and let me know that you would like that. And we have a we have a few left over. Supplies are limited, but we have to give out what we have. You can also get the Lee Younger brand of Bridgebox, also $8 a month. Most of that money goes to Lee. We get a little bit of it here. Also going to your frontline ministry. It's a new track from Lee every month. And uh, he picks some of that other stuff from past Bridgeboxes to put in there. MissionUSA.com slash BBLY. All right. And providing a request, first question, if you have a question, we'll give you the addresses at the end. So I came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. It says, how do I know if the guy in my life is the right one? My pastor said that if he makes me choose between my family and friends and him, that it isn't love. Jed, can you kick us off? 
Sure, I can. And, uh, sis, thanks for writing in. We appreciate your question. So I think there's kind of two separate things that you're asking about. We'll look real quick at both of them. How do I know if the guy in my life is the right one? That's a great question. I think particularly if you're a younger person, um, I think that you've heard us before on this podcast really encourage you to consider getting into the motion of dating people. Um, And that's a really, really good idea. And part of the reason it's a good idea is that as you get in the motion of dating people, you will have a better sense of what it is you are looking for in a guy. Um, It's very difficult to, with no dating experience of any kind, uh, know exactly the kind of guy that you're looking for, which means it would be almost impossible to say if you found the right one. Um, if, If you can dig it, if you've never needed a mechanic before, you've never dealt with mechanics, you've never talked to mechanics, but then you say, how do I know if I'm going to find the right mechanic? Well, that would be kind of hard to do. Um, You you might need to have a little bit of experience dealing with mechanics to know what it is you're looking for. And so it is with with looking for a guy, whether that's a a boyfriend or a fiancé or ultimately a husband. So I think a big part of your question is getting in the motion of dating. And again, that doesn't need to be a serious thing where you're exclusively dating one another. That certainly doesn't need to be something where there's you know a big uh, physical element to it. But the idea of going out with a guy, getting a cup of coffee, getting you know a dinner, talking, getting to know each other, that's a critical piece to figuring out the kind of person that you're looking for, the kind of person that you'd be interested in, the kind of person that would do it for you. So I think that's uh, kind of that, that first half. Uh, The second half, you said that your pastor said, I'm just going to read this back, that my pastor said that if he makes me choose between my family and friends and him, that isn't love. This is one of those where if you and I were talking in person, I'd encourage you to tell me more about that, uh, because that's a pretty loaded phrase. Um, If you have um, a healthy family and you have healthy friendships in your life and you start dating a guy and that guy says to you, now that we're dating, you should never talk to your family or your friends that you love and have good, healthy relationships with. Yes, that would be exceedingly weird. Right. Um, The odds of that happening are almost zero. Um, um, uh, uh, There are people out there that are very, very unhealthy that, you know, might encourage you, hey, why don't you spend way less time with them and way more time with me? Uh, But particularly if you um, uh, have worked to develop healthy relationships in your life, if you've done a lot of casual dating to get the kind of, uh, get a sense of the kind of person you're looking for, the kind of person you're not looking for, you'd be likely to see that coming, uh, is what you'd be likely to see. Um, If you're dealing with a situation, though, where Uh, Maybe you don't have the healthiest relationships with your family, and maybe you don't have the healthiest relationships with your friends, and you have a a serious dating relationship, and we'd be talking here really more at an engagement level and, and preparing for marriage, where you have a man that says to you, we need to have proper boundaries, Um, with your family and with your friends. And um, if you're not comfortable with the idea of boundaries, um, then it's kind of a them or me kind of thing. Uh, That's actually completely healthy and appropriate. Um, Just to uh, tell your future, um, there will come a point in your life where you'll meet a lovely young man and he'll think you're lovely and you'll think he's lovely and you'll want to proceed and get engaged and get married. And you will need to establish what the boundaries and limitations are (laughs) for each of your sets of relatives and for each of your sets of friends. Um, And you will need to hold each other accountable on um, enforcing those boundaries and those limitations. That's a necessary part of all healthy married relationships is setting boundaries for everyone who's not husband and wife and figuring out what do we do with those. Uh, And just to reflect back to you, if you have a pastor that's telling you that that is bad, um, you need to find a new pastor. Uh, Because that's someone who's looking for an excuse to get over on you and uh, be the boss man in your life. And that's not something that you want. Absolutely, Lee. All you got to do is rewind that answer and listen to it again. Everything Jed said is spot on, right on the money. Um, I would would throw a couple things in here. Having worked with a lot of young people who I've watched go from high school into college and then into serious dating relationships and some of them into marriages, um, I can tell you that um, uh, a couple of things that people usually assume when they're really young that, uh, that, that, that make a guy excuse me, the right one or make a gal the right one is the person they're the most attracted to, yeah. uh, just out of the gate. You know, the, the person I'm most attracted to, well, that's going to be the right one. Lee, um, 
he looks so good in them pants, right. he must be the right one. There's just, I mean, there's there's just no way around it. I, 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 it's almost as if, Jed, I, I just feel like the Lord's leading me into this relationship because of the way those pants fit. It's a sign. Yeah. It's a sign. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, we're joking around about that, but the, uh, the frequency with which that happens is quite frankly alarming um and a lot of people assume that the you know that that uh that, that the best the best looking person is the person for them and that's and now look we're, i'm not saying that that attraction is not important uh i'm not saying that that you i'm not saying that you shouldn't you, you know that that you shouldn't uh that you shouldn't be attracted to the person that that you're you know going to wind up with or anything like that not saying that at all but what I'm saying is there's more than there's more than just these surface factors. And a lot of times people get really, really hung up on I won't even I won't even go out with somebody that I'm not just completely, you know, and that's the that's the whole deal is we've got to take a lot more things into consideration. One thing is it's it's not necessarily the cutest guy. One thing you are looking for, though, is you're looking for someone who um, who understands how to build you up, who understands how to encourage you. Um, what I would do is, especially if you've been dating somebody for a long time and you're trying to figure out if this person's right for you, take a look at that. Uh, take a look at that list over in First uh, Corinthians chapter 13 about what love is like. And uh, is is this guy like that? I mean, it, does he have things that uh, you know? Is he is he kind? Is he patient? Or is he? rude? Does he not protect you? I mean, th- these are the kinds of things you want to look at. So you want to take some of those kinds of things in consideration and not just, you know, the way he dresses and the way he looks and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm not, I understand, I, I definitely don't want to just assume that's the way that you're approaching this thing. I, I only bring that up because I've been doing my job for a long, long time. And I've seen that a lot. So um, that's the first thing on this. The other thing is uh, I want to give one kind of uh, one more kind of uh, focus on this, this idea about the boundary between your relationship with your friends and your family and the person that you're dating. Um, Obviously, if, if you have people in your life who have a massive problem with the person that you're dating, especially if that relationship is getting pretty serious one that that's that's a thing to consider it, who's right here it, it, should i stay with the person that i'm dating or should i listen to the, the way that my family is bringing this thing out or the way that my friends are bringing this thing out one question i would ask you if we were sitting face to face talking in a counseling type situation is before this relationship started with this this dating relationship started what was your friendship like with these friends what was your relationship like with your family yeah. Was this a was this a healthy thing? Was this a deal where th- this friend of yours who all of a sudden has a problem with this dating relationship, were they always a wonderful friend to you? Did they always have your back, always build you up? And then now you're dating this person and they don't feel good about it? That's something we want to pay attention to. Yeah. Not saying the relationship has to end right now, but it's something that we want to sit down and have some honest conversation with. If your best friend your whole life who's always loved you and always had your back is not feeling good about this, that's something that we need to pay attention to. Now, if you've been in really unhealthy relationships with people who have misbehaved your whole life, family members who don't get you, who don't support you, that kind of stuff, and they don't like something, well, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. But if, but if we're talking about people who have always had your back, who have always loved you well... And you've always felt loved and supported by them. And all of a sudden they're saying, I don't feel comfortable here. Then we need to, we, we need to pump the brakes. We need to push pause. We need to look at this thing and have some on, honest conversation about whether or not you're blind to something that they can see that, that you're not able to see because of the attraction or because of the, the, the butterflies in your stomach or whatever it might be. Absolutely. Glenn? Yeah, I, I like uh, both of these answers you're, you're hearing here because I it's one of those... Uh, it, it kind of depends kind of a thing, you know, it depends yeah. on the situation. Uh, the Bible says uh, uh, in regards to marriage that a man will leave his mother and father and be united with his wife. Uh, the, what, what the Bible is, is suggesting there is that the marriage uh, not only is important in terms of a relationship thing and just loneliness and having physical intimacy and all those things that the marriage should serve as a unit that God wants right. to work through 
that unit. That the marriage is the home base. That's a team that you form with your partner, and that's and that's home base. And uh, if the team isn't right, uh, that's going to affect everything the team does out in the world. So there has to be a protection and a hedge around that team. We have to to build that thing up in a in a strong way. Uh, as such, one of the first things that happens that comes up. When you're going, as, as Jed was describing, when you're going into serious dating, sort of engagement, marriage type stuff, one of the things that comes up is who's going to be in control? Uh-huh. Uh, you, there, there are family members that you thought of as cool up till now who want to just get up in it, just want to have opinions, want to make rulings, you know, want to be consulted on things, whatever. Um, there are sometimes there are pastors who feel like, uh, Hey, I need to be commenting on these things. You need to be bringing it to me. Uh, in some cases there might be family members or whatever. There's all kinds of people, uh, f- sometimes friends as Lee is suggesting, sometimes friends who have personal issues and struggles and insecurities, whatever, all of a sudden they're going to kind of come creeping out and saying, Hey, where, uh, why isn't anybody taking my vote on this thing? And everybody wants to kind of have a voice and have that control. Uh, uh, And the thing that needs to be clear to both of you is that control should not reside in uh, your partner and it should not reside in you. It should reside in the team that you form together and it shouldn't be handed out to all these other people so that, uh, that you and the other person you're in that relationship with, you guys decide this stuff. You take the input, as Lee is suggesting, from all these other people, but at the end of the day, you say, okay, everyone gets out of that situation, and it's just me and my significant other, and we make that decision. And what we're trying to do is take control and give that control to God. That's what we're looking to do. We're not trying to give that control and get a vote and a, a, to everybody else and all these cooks spoil the soup. We want good information if we can get it. And I tell you what, if you want good information, find somebody smart, cuff them and ask them rather than mm-hmm. deal with, you know, a lot of people who want to try and kind of force that information on you. But I think the other thing that, that you're likely to deal with is a jealousy thing. You know, people mm-hmm. have a weird way of getting jealous about, you know, a, a young man and a young woman being in love. So sometimes that's the boyfriend is jealous of your time with your friends. And that's not a cool thing. If that's what's going on, that needs to shut down. Sometimes that might be a friend that's jealous of you and the time that you're spending with the boyfriend. Uh, uh, Same thing with family. They can be jealous of our time and so on and so forth. And all that jealousy is just going to choke out sanity and mental health and good relationships and all that. That's the kind of stuff we have to get in there and root that out. Uh, uh, and you, so we have to kind of figure out where are those lines of jealousy running? What, which of these things is a voice of jealousy? And which of these things, uh, as Lee is suggesting here, are, are concerns on behalf of people who are, you know, have your best interests at heart? That's an absolutely great point. One thing I would tack on the end here about this, uh, this pastor who seems to mean well, you can't, as someone who uh, does a fair amount of preaching, and I'm not the only one in this podcast, you can't make blanket statements like that. Yeah. Because here's the thing about some people's families. Some people's families are terrible. Yeah. yeah. If you're making this statement, I assume, based on just kind of our listenership and just the way church works, that this was said in a suburban-ish megachurch, which means that guy has no sense that there are people whose families are driving them nuts and even if he did he would never say that from up front because that would lead to a bunch of parents who want to be told that they're the most important person in their child's life to stop giving him money yeah so uh it's terrible advice there are situations when it might be good advice but we always have to look at the lens of who's giving said advice jed one more thing yeah real quick because one of the things that you're hearing from all of us is you know how do you figure out if this is coming from a healthy place of people who have a healthy concern about you versus people um who are on something funky and trying to have control one thing you can do to help uh divine that is insist that people be specific with what their concern is. In other words, someone is coming to you saying, you know, I just, 
<laughs> I just feel like yeah, it's like you guys. Yeah, and then you're like it's tearing yeah. us apart. It's like, did you care about your family anymore? Right, it's not the way it used to be. Whatever that means. I'm just concerned. Right. Okay, I hear you, but that's not specific. Right. You haven't told me here is a specific thing that is going on that I think is a problem. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing to know is don't go easy on people in this moment because everything we're talking about is as it per- as it pertains to pr- preparation for marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not casual dating stuff this is right. someone i'm thinking about getting married to which means this is grown folks time right, right, right. um we're not giving anybody a free pass on this be tough on them so if someone comes to you and says i don't know besides before you say be specific right. tell me what your problem is and if they say well look this guy disrespects you um right. he's mean-spirited to you he um uh, talks down to you um he is insulting to you and uh, to follow just to jump in there real quick to uh, point out and this is something unfortunately a lot of we've had uh all had uh, experience counseling people through isolating someone is one of the patterns of a domestic abuser. Absolutely. So right. there are right. very cogent and realistic reasons to not be cool with this. But as Jed's pointing out, you got to make them say that. Exactly right. If, they, and if that's what they're saying, look, he he's he's mean to you every time I'm around you. I can only imagine what he's like when I'm not around. He right. said, you know, he's insulting. He calls you names. He looks down at you. He has a bad attitude. And. Um, he has a sense of like he'd prefer we all weren't there so he could do more of it. That's my concern. Right. If someone can tell you that, that's really, really something to look at. Mm-hmm. If they can't articulate what the problem is, then they don't have a point. Yes. Or if they can articulate it, but it's, well, I just feel like, you know, since you started dating him, it's like you want to spend a bunch of time with him instead of spending a bunch of time with me. Yes, that's what it means to be dating someone. But if you force someone, and don't go easy on people, if you force them, be specific. Tell me what your specific issue is. That'll help you have a much better sense of whether or not there's an actual problem here. That's an absolutely fantastic point. All right, let's move on to our next question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, I'm going to college this fall, a huge campus with few believers. What's the best way I can keep strong in my faith? Lee, can you kick us off? Absolutely. Um, I'm assuming that even if this is a a campus that does not have very many believers, I'm assuming that there are some there and that at at some level there's some kind of campus ministry that you could connect with. What I would encourage you to do is to seek that out first and foremost, to seek out some kind of campus ministry, campus uh, Christian fellowship, um, and try to find a place. And I, I say specifically ministry, not just a church, not just not just a place to go and worship. I'm talking about an actual ministry, people that are reaching out, doing something, uh, tr- you know, outreach, trying to to uh, to serve people and care for them, minister to them. Look for that because what I what I think is the best way for somebody going into a, a college situation, people you've never met, people that you're you know you're getting to know, and you're kind of forming the foundations of how a lot of your adult relationships are going to be built and that kind of stuff is get yourself into a position where you can do ministry. Um, find some people to serve, find people to serve with, get on a team, a team that prays together, a team that trains together, a team that hangs out, a a team that has a a focused goal. These are the people that we want to reach. These are the people that we have a burden for. These are the people that we care for. A lot of the folks that come up through our ministry go off to college and they immediately get involved in the campus, the the college version of of Young Life. Um, A lot of our kids... Um, get you know they 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 go through the young life ministry here in in uh, in Tennessee, and they go to college and they find the college version of that and and that you know part of it just feels like they're just going to the young life ministry like they did in high school. Then part of that has an element of of leadership training where they get trained on how to actually go out and and minister in that capacity with that ministry, and then they get placed on a team of people who are reaching other high school kids. And what you find is you've got these friends who are believers and you've got this ministry together and you're praying together and you're focused on it. You're learning how to do it and you're hitting all the pitfalls and frustrations of ministry, but you're doing it together with other people. My, the, the num- to me, the number one way to stay strong in your faith when you're in college, because there are so many things that are going to be pulling you, tugging you this way and that as far as your faith, is to find a place to, to be in ministry, to find people to do that ministry with that can encourage you, build you up, train you, help you. You can walk through this thing together. 
And, uh, and, and what, what may end up happening is like me, I mean, I'm, I started doing young life ministry at the end of my college career. I'm still doing it. I'm almost 35 years old. I, I don't have any plans to stop doing it. I absolutely love it. Love my team that I get to do this with. And it's, and, and it does, it keeps me focused on praying for people. It keeps me focused on walking with the Lord. It's an awesome way to, to keep, uh, to stay strong. It's a great point, Glenn. Yeah. Uh, I think it's actually a fantastic question because uh, it's it's a real concern. It's it's uh, uh, it's an important thing to have a focus on. Of hey, I you know I want to do well in this situation because uh, n- no question, uh, a lot of people uh, go to college and they sort of fall in with a different set of friends than they had in high school, and they end up in sort of a different, uh, you know, lifestyle, really. Uh, The thing that we've seen from working with guys coming out of uh, uh, neighborhoods that are, uh, where they're involved in gang activity, and we've seen guys uh, in criminal activity, uh, uh, almost all of that has to do with the company that they were keeping. Almost all that has to do with their friends, uh, in the environment. In fact, if you look at just statistically speaking, uh, every sociological study on on the subject says that we tend to act like the people that we're hanging around, either for yeah, that's what the Bible for, says as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. right. Uh, you know, a bad company corrupts good morals. So it really comes down to uh, finding a way to be around uh, the right kind of people. If you can dig it, part of what I'm saying here is that. Choosing friends is one of the most important thing in your life. That's one of the most important things yeah. to get right. And the the deal is, uh, I don't know if you're a, 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 a guy or a gal, but if you're a guy, uh, work like way harder than you normally would on that. Because guys are terrible at picking friends. That's totally true. Guy, guys just end up being friends with whoever is in their area. And they're passive instead of intentional about hanging out and what to do in the hanging out process. Yes, yes. You know, uh, yeah, that's really important. So be intentional about uh, choosing your friends. Uh, and, and I would also really look at, you know, what are these people into? What are they, what's the, what's, you know, where is their thing that they're trying to do? Uh, you know, some, some guys get to college and they're just obsessed with schoolwork and that, can be good if you want to be a good student, I guess. But uh, you know, they they might be sort of tense in a way that might get, get put a lot of tension into your life. Uh, some people uh, get to college and all they want to do is party. You know, I, I'll tell you a little bit too much about myself, perhaps. But uh, uh, by the time I got to college, I had done all of the partying one human being could ever want to do, and got fully bored with it, and came out the other side. So uh, you know, I would get so when I got to college. All the guys in my dorm, you know, we're sitting around like the first two or three days, and they're like, we're going to get some beer. Oh, gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> like, fellas, I've drank enough beer to just lose all interest in it in my life already. I'm going to go find a girl. <laughs> so you guys just go ahead and have your beers. I'll handle the ladies, and we'll we'll do it like that. Uh, you know, so uh, make sure you're on the same page. Second thing I'll say is go shopping. Whether uh, I would look at every campus ministry there is, every single one of them. Uh, I would look around it for churches to be involved in. Uh, that can be a bummer. It can be weird. It can be sort of stressful to go and look at a lot of these new things. Um, and be picky with that. Uh, uh, you know, recognize that this is a super important part of your life. Uh, all the different campus ministries have a different vibe, a different feel to it. And uh, if you can find one that fits with you, I think that's great. And finally, I think it's about finding Christians. Uh, uh, if I could give you just one word of what you're looking for, it would be authentic. You know, some you want to be around people who are real. You know, there's a lot of people who are Christians that are real sweet, they're real loving. They're really trying to, you know, do it right. They're about it. They're devout, and they are faking it as hard as they possibly can, because they think that's what they're supposed to be doing, and uh, that's that they are going to send a vibe to you that you need to fake it along with them, and you don't want any part of that. You want to be around people who are honest, 
authentic. They're fun. Uh, and the main thing is, you know, that they major on the majors, you know, that they, that it, 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 you know, you know, the kind of Christian I'm talking about where you let a little cur- curse word slip out and then they get all super serious. Um, fellas, um, I just think, you know, we want to glorify God in the way that we speak. You know, you, that you just don't, that life's too short to deal with these dudes. Uh, that, that, that's a dude you may want to try and, and, and school and help out. But your your buddy needs to be the kind of guy who understands, uh, you know how to what what are the main things we need to focus on and let the little stuff go. Absolutely, Jed. Well, you've heard a bunch of good advice. I, I think part of what I hear in this question is, um, I think my friend, you've been lied to about college. Um, there are a lot of Christians who are the age of your parents who believe that college is a den of godless iniquity, and that when you go there, um, a collegiate secular godlessness demon wraps his talons around you and tears out your childlike faith so that he can devour it in front of you right um uh, and that's because they're not preaching directly from the bible jed that's exactly right so that's what it must be you got to preach directly from the bible uh here's the thing um there are many believers on every college campus everywhere no matter what absolutely especially if it's a large school just by the way statistics work there's more people there's going to be more christians what you're facing in college my friend is not the threat of godless secularism um that's actually not what you're up against what you're facing is freedom that's what you're facing and freedom is what you make of it. Um, if, if you can dig it, particularly if you've grown up in a very religious, in a particularly kind of a sheltered home, which um, if you'll permit me, I'm going to guess you have, you have not had very much freedom in your life. You, right. You've been told what you're going to do, what you're going to think, where you're going to go, who you're going to be with. And as you leave for college, you are entering a period in your life where you have a tremendous amount of freedom. Um, you can choose, uh, as Glenn's saying, um, who you're going to be around. You can choose what you're going to do with yourself, how you're going to spend your time. You can even choose your identity. I mean, that's actually a big part of college for a lot of people is they go off and they just kind of um, will themselves to be someone new. Uh, and sometimes they cycle through those identities three and four and five at a time in the course of a semester. And that's that's fine. But the thing before you, the way that you handle freedom in a healthy way is to start thinking now, what do you want to do with it? What what do you want to see your life look like? You're going to be in a place where mom and dad are not going to be there to tell you what to do anymore. Um, and um, even if they try and tell you, they won't be there to see if you actually did it. Uh, so what do you want your life to look like? What do you want your uh, relationship with Jesus to look like? What do you want your sense of purpose to look like? How do you want your life to function? Because whatever your goal is, whatever you want your life to look like, there are people at that college that would be happy to walk that mile with you. So if you want your, uh, your life to be about drinking and uh, getting with girls, there's plenty of guys that would love to, you know, walk that mile with you. Um, if you want your life to be uh, about uh, trying to be really sincere about um, being religious, there's people love to do that with you. Um, But if you decide, I want a life that matters, I want to do things that serve other people, I want to have an authentic walk with the Lord, I want to have people that are close to me um, uh, that are supporting me in that, you can have that too. But that's the key thing that's before you is uh, it's not a threat, it's an opportunity, is freedom. And freedom is entirely what you make of it. I encourage you to start thinking now, what do you want that freedom to become? Absolutely. All right, we're going to move to our last question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr for reasons that will immediately become clear. It says, I want to be honest with you. I'm a 20-something single male living on my own. I want to meet a nice girl and get married, but there are times when I realize how selfish I, how selfish I am and the fact that life on my own is pretty comfortable. I want to do what I want, when I want, and not have to get involved in the pain and suffering and ickiness associated with married life. In my mind, I can always use porn, Life is clean and tidy, but I know this is wrong thinking. How can I get over my fears? Glenn, kick us off. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for letting me go first on this one. That's lovely. Uh, bless your heart. Uh, you have taken a wrong road, my man. <laughs> uh, it, it's time to, you know what? You want to pump your brakes, pull over to the side, regroup, gather yourself together. Definitely turn off your computer <laughs> and go ahead and do a U-turn whenever you get a, a clear shot at traffic there. That is, uh, yeah, um, uh, 
yeah, I, I understand the thinking. I, uh, you know, I, I can follow the logic of what it is that you're saying. Uh, and part of that is because I was a bachelor. I actually lived uh, alone uh, for, uh, uh, for a few years before I even uh, met my wife. In fact, I was in full-time ministry uh, uh, living alone as a bachelor before uh, I met my wife. And I was happy doing that. I was I was that guy. I was a bachelor where I, you know, enjoyed my freedom. I enjoyed doing my own thing. Uh, didn't have any interest whatsoever in being married. And I'm going to set out uh, my brother across the table here, Brother Jed, that he had the same experience that I did of really enjoying bachelorhood, really enjoying the freedom, quote unquote, and the, you know, uh, you know, being a stallion and the stallion's got to roam free and the, you know, the eagle's got to soar, man, you know, all of that. <laughs> and then I met my wife and it was like, well, okay, where do I sign? You yeah, know, that's totally true. Well, why, why don't, why don't I just go ahead and not do that anymore? Um, so, uh, I've been, I've, I've gotten as much fun as you could possibly get out of being single. I mean, I had a boat when you're a single guy, you have, I didn't have a whole boat. I was, we were, we were, we had gone in together on a boat, but when you're a single guy and you've got a boat, that's it, man. We could just, we just, we could just sail on forever. You know what I mean? That's you. You are, that's a high octane bachelorhood right there. I've been, I've been all of that. And uh, I've been married. Let me try and explain this to you in as clear a language as I can explain to you. It's way better. Uh, you're, you're, there's no comparison. Look, you know, a, a lot of married guys uh, uh, gripe about their marriage. If you're around me, you'd, you'd hear me say all sorts of wild things about uh, uh, my marriage. Uh, I am married to the, the human being on the planet who's the most opposite from me. And, uh, so, you know, it's, it's a unique thing, but that's the great thing about it is the challenge the, the that sense of bringing out a side in yourself that is, would never be there. Someone who uh, calls something out in you is such a remarkable thing. Um, you, you know, you could be around your guys, your, your homeboys and stuff, and they're just, you know, you could just wallow and be in that same guy forever. But uh, you know, a good woman is going to challenge you. She's going to she's going to, you know, ex have an expectation of you that you uh, rise up, that you continue to grow and better yourself and improve yourself. And then there's a a, a a friendship and a companionship that's just unlike anything uh, that exists outside of marriage. It's it's you know to have someone who knows you really really well and loves you is an amazing thing because if they know you well they know all of what's wrong with you and if they love you anyway there's a there's something incredibly solid in that and when someone gets you that way they can help you in a way that no one else could my my wife and i may have said this on the podcast before i can call my wife on the phone and she multiple times has proven that she can tell whether or not I've had a meal and whether I'm hungry by the tone of my voice. She, she could just, you know, you had, she'll, and she'll predict it. You haven't had anything to eat. That's why you're cranky. Go eat a cookie. And I, you know, I, okay. And then that's, that solves that problem. Um, there's also uh, uh, a, an encouragement uh, to grow and to become uh, the man or, or woman that we're, we're called to be. And that's an amazing thing. When, when you realize this person is helping me to become who, who God's created me to be, helping me to fulfill my calling. I've been single in ministry, as, as I said before. I know what I can do without having a wife, and I know what I can do having uh, uh, my wife in, in my life. It's night and day different. And so for all those reasons, please... Do not get it in your mind that staying home and watching porn might be just as good. Absolutely. Jed? Well, I hear you, bro. I really do. And I think here's the thing is um, you are owed an apology. Uh, and the apology that you're owed is by uh, church people everywhere yeah. who have given you a terrible, terrible example of what marriage is supposed to be. Yeah, that's it. That's right. Um, because the reason you're asking this question is because you've never seen a good marriage. That's why you're asking yeah. this question. Yeah. Um, Christians have a way of saying, you know, marriage is just great. 
just great. all the time. So great. It's just wonderful. Could you name one thing that's great about it, please? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the thing to know is marriage can be great. It right. can be ecstatic. It can be amazing. Most of the time, it's not. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of the time, for most people, their marriages are absolutely terrible. And um, uh, they are the kind of thing I wouldn't wish on an enemy. Um, If I'm going to be deadly honest about it. And I'm going to guess that you grew up observing your parents' marriage and it sucked. It's just just a guess. Um, But if you're looking and you're saying, I could have a crappy marriage with a person that I hate and we make each other miserable. Or I could live on my own and masturbate when I need to. And and those are my two options. The second option is much better. You you are correct about that. You've, You've read that completely correctly. The thing that we're leaving out is that As Glenn is saying, when marriage is good, when you get two people that are healthy and have a healthy walk with the Lord, that are willing to work day in and day out to build a healthy life together, it is so massively worth it, I can't put it into words. But the thing to know about marriage, before I got married, um, uh, something, and I don't know if Glenn even remembers saying it to me because I think it was kind of an off-the-cuff comment, but it's the truest thing I've ever been told about marriage, is that if you get married and you give marriage 90% of everything you have, you will barely break even. Right. It will, it will, it will feel like you're not really, really getting anything out of it. If you give marriage 100% of everything you have all day, every day, no matter what, You'll never regret it. It'll be the greatest thing in the world. Now, that may sound, particularly if you've never seen a good marriage, that may sound like a locker room speech from the high school football coach that's trying to get you to rally for the tough second half. It's not. That's actually true. And understand, believe me when I tell you, and we do a lot of of marriage counseling, actually, if you give your marriage less than 90% of everything you've got, it will ruin your life. Yeah. In, in every aspect, you will be a shell of a human being. So the choice that's before you is, do I want to go at this guns blazing, jump in in the deep end of the pool with both feet, giving it everything I've got? Do I want to do that or do I want to sit at home and do what I'm doing now? That's actually the, the choice that's before you. Here's what I want to say to you, my brother, and I'll pass this on to Lee. The fact that you're willing to be this honest means you're the right cat to jump in with both feet and do this thing right. The thing that's standing in the way of most people um, from having a good marriage is they're not willing to be honest. They're not willing to be honest with themselves about the kind of human being that they are. They're not willing to be honest with their spouse about the kind of human being that they are. They're not willing to be honest with God about the kind of human being that they are. And you can't have a healthy relationship in an absence of honesty. Yeah. There's there's just no such thing. But if you're willing to be if you're willing to, to, to be honest, say, hey, I'm the kind of guy that could deal with Playboy and Cheetos for the rest of my life. That's the kind of depraved individual I am. The the truth is you can build on that. Right. You can say, given that's where I'm at, God, what's the next thing that's before me? What, right. what, what are we working on? Where are we trying to go? If you keep going to the Lord and working on the next thing, you'll become the kind of guy that can have an amazing marriage. Yeah. And you'll know um, uh, the sound of a person honestly working through their issues so that when you meet a beautiful young lady who loves Jesus and has an authentic walk with the Lord where she says, hey, I know I can be a mess, but Lord, what's the next thing? You say, I want to be with that woman. Right, right. Uh, but that's how you get there. Uh, bro, if you find, if you work on your own walk with the Lord and you meet a girl who's working on her walk with the Lord and the two of you are down for that walk and down for each other 100% all day every day marriage is the greatest thing in the universe I promise you but you have sensed correctly that if it's not that then it is uh, something that will just drain your will to live the good news is you can have that good option don't give up on yourself and don't give up on the good things that God wants to bring into your life totally Lee close us out so one thing about this question is you say at the end how do I get over my fears Here's one thing. You're afraid of the wrong thing. Um, you know, you're saying, I, I'm, I, uh, let's see, let, let me make sure I read this right. I don't want to have to get involved with the pain, suffering, and ickiness associated with married life. Um, I, as these guys are saying, there are definitely, I've definitely seen plenty of marriages where people are, people suck at it and they're not giving anything to it. And there is, you know, pain and suffering and ickiness involved in it. And what I, what I can tell you is the thing to be afraid of in marriage is not that it's going to be hard work. That's, that's, that's a guarantee. To be afraid of. 
Um, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a guarantee that it's going to be hard work, but that's not actually something to be afraid of. Here's the cool thing. And just to add on to what these guys are saying is they're absolutely right. It takes everything you've got the whole time. Here's the really, really cool thing. And here's what nobody's ever told you about marriage, but it's absolutely true. The longer that you just give your whole heart and all your energy to serving your mate and, 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 and working on this marriage and learning to grow and all that kind of stuff, the, the longer you give everything to it, the longer you work as hard as you can for this thing, an amazing thing happens, which is the work, as you look back over it, as you look back over the years, the work turns into the love that you have for each other. The work feels after a while, it doesn't, it's, it's not as hard to do it. In other words, it's still work and everything. You're still working for it, but it doesn't feel uh, like pain and suffering. It doesn't feel like that at all. It feels like togetherness. It feels like teamwork, like Glenn was talking about. It feels like, if it feels like you're us that you're building, what happens is you give your whole thing to you give your whole self to this. And then after a while you look back and say, we've built something. We've built something that we know how to sustain and we're working hard to do this thing, but it doesn't feel like pain and suffering and hard work like that. It feels like togetherness. It feels like your teamwork. It is awesome. It is absolutely awesome. So that's one thing. The other thing here is when I say that you're afraid of the wrong thing, the thing that you should be afraid of is the life of, uh, of just you know, satisfying your sexual desires whenever you, whenever you need to. And, and, you know, you know, you're saying this is neat and tidy and I can just satisfy my sexual desires with this pornography and masturbating or whatever. Here's the thing on this. And depending on how long you've been in, you say you're, uh, I'm 20 something male and single living on my own. Um, the one problem with porn is that you're, you're setting up your, you're setting yourself up to a system of diminishing returns. Uh, and that is, this is not very satisfying. Yeah, you can you can masturbate and everything. You can have that release or whatever. But it's not very satisfying. And you know that. Here's the thing that I don't know if you've looked at yet. It's not as satisfying as it was when you first started getting into it. Um, it's It's less appealing than it was. Of course, now we're in, you know, the, the internet has gotten better. And so there's, you know, you have access to more stuff and it comes faster and stuff like that. But like, it's not as cool as it was then. Your heart doesn't beat as fast as it did when you were, you know, 13, 14. Now that you're in your twenties, that process, my friend is going to get more debilitating, um, in the sense that it's going to become less satisfying that you are, you are in a downward spiral of diminishing returns. Every time you go back to this, it's going to be a little bit less. And so the thing that you should be afraid of is not, you know, what is it going to cost me to be, you know, to be in this marriage? Am I going to be stuck in something that's hell for the rest of my life? No. Um, the thing that you should be afraid of is what if my, what if my sense of pleasure and, um, and you know, sexual pleasure and stuff like that just gets smaller and smaller and smaller for the rest of my life and doesn't give me anything. Does it's not even satisfying or fulfilling in any way. When, if you do put the work into a relationship that God would have for you, dude, you don't even know, you don't even know how awesome and fulfilling and deeply satisfying in the deepest place of who you are, you could be experiencing something right. I mean, you could already be there, uh, you know, on, on the threshold of experiencing something unbelievably fulfilling. And here's the cool thing. You do all that work for all those years. And I know the, the married brothers on this podcast can, can attest to this. The sex keeps getting better all the time, Hello. all the way out. Yep. I mean, it's not, it's not a, a system of diminishing returns like it is with pornography, where every single time you go back, you got to see something different. You got to see some, and it, and it doesn't work as much. This is when you, when you're pouring yourself into your marriage, the sex just keeps getting better. You start, you learn each other more. It's, 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 this is always growing. This is always getting better. And so what I'm saying is you're afraid of the wrong thing, my friend, because as these brothers are saying, you've been lied to. And, uh, and if you're thinking that it's just fine and tight and neat just to go ahead and live out the rest of my life doing this porn thing. You're lying to yourself. And, and, uh, and don't cheat yourself on that because there's something that God has for you that's way more satisfying, that's way, way more fulfilling. 
It's an absolutely fantastic answer. I just want to point out to those of you listening that uh, you're not going to hear that question answered that way anywhere else in anything Christian you ever look at. Just something to point out. No one else is going to try to answer that question. If they do, it'll be, maybe you should pray about it. Yeah. So we appreciate being that kind of uh, naughty uncle here at Say That Podcast. If you want more stuff that uh, Christians wouldn't tell you, you can check out Bridgebox. All sorts of preaching that would never go on at your church and uh, music they would never be allowed to use at your church. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox, $8 a month. All that money goes to frontline ministry right here in Chicago. You can sign up for the Lee version, missionusa.com slash BBLY. You can email me, Matt, at missionusa.com to get the super secret link to get both for only $12. One last thing we want to plug is uh, Lee hosts a podcast that uh, all three of us have showed up on called Ancient New. It's kind of a Bible study podcast, and for this Lenten season, he is going to be releasing daily audio devotionals. So you can go to iTunes, you can search Ancient and New, and you can subscribe and get some uh, good stuff in there every day for Lent. It's going to be a very cool project. One podcast we also produce around here is called The Bridge Podcast. That's a 20, 25-minute mini worship service in your earbuds. It comes out every Monday. Music from our Bridgebox service and stuff recorded live at The Bridge. You'll get music from Jed, music from Lee, music from some of our friends around the country and around the world. You'll get preaching from Glenn and myself occasionally. And that's a lot of fun. It's a good way to kick your week off if you feel like you need a little extra boost. You can search The Bridge in iTunes and find that. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Thanks for listening. Remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Her Royal Highness, Queen Elizabeth, Monkey Strong. <laughs>